Hi everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I have spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create hot, healthy, sexual, and intimate relationships. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Today, the letter is G, and G is for G-spot. Now, um, with all the craziness going on in the world, you know we will also be talking about COVID-19 today. However, we are going to talk about G-spots, and joining me to talk about G-spots is Elise Schuster, who's an educator with 15 years' experience in pleasure-based sex education and youth development. Elise is the founder of OK. Okay, so, which is a free online platform that connects young adults with questions about sex and mental health to experts that they can't reach any other way. She has a master's in public health from Columbia University with a specialization in sexuality and health and spent many years working at Babeland and at The Door, a major youth development agency in New York City. Welcome to the show, Elise. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. Um, so, you know, what strikes me, the first thing that struck me when I was looking over the introduction before you came on was that um, I imagine there's going to be a bump in the online platform right now. They must be going nuts. In terms of okay, for okay, so you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we have, we have seen a bit, of a, a bit of an increase, I think, especially, you know, most of our users are young adults and they're dealing with a lot right now as schools are canceled and there's a lot of uncertainty about their futures. And so we've seen, uh, yeah, we've seen an increase in folks who are writing in trying to figure out sort of how to, how to deal with that. As I think for a lot of young people, it's the, for many of them, the first time in their lives they've faced this level of uncertainty. So really figuring out how to, how to handle it. We have the same thing here. Um, schools have been canceled from tomorrow. They put off exams. Now, our system is different than the U.S., and our kids have um, major exams at the end of what would be 10th grade. And then another set of exams at the end of um, 12th grade, they have a two-year course, so they, they specialize. And those exams, the results of those exams predict whether or not their university places will be available to them, and they're canceling them. And they haven't said what's going to happen or how they're going to deal with this. Um, my son is in, in, in the position where his, um, the place he's been offered is not contingent on particular grades on A-levels, so he should be okay. But a lot of, most kids, you know, it's like, well, and how you do on your A-levels? Well, they're not going to – we don't know if they're even going to have official grades at all. Yeah, it's incredibly, it's incredibly stressful. I mean, I think that there's – there's sort of the like academic element of things and people missing classes and missing exams and trying to, you know, anyone who's in a transition period of any kind, like moving to university next year, for instance, mm-hmm. is sort of facing all of those uncertainties. And then I also think there's a, a really deep emotional piece of not only the disconnection between, you know, that people are facing in terms of not seeing their friends, but you know, a senior in high school who is graduation going to happen? Are you going to, are you going to get to lay down the same kinds of memories that, you know, young people the year before you did, or that, you know, that people do for generations, right? We think we, yeah. we hold, uh, we hold so much emotional resonance with these big life changes and these rituals that are really important for us. And so a lot of what we're seeing on okay, so is folks who are concerned about the ap- academic piece, but are also just feeling a lot of grief around missing out on these major emotional moments that they thought they were going to get to have. Absolutely, I mean, I mean, I know that um, you know that the, the trip, the kids in my son's school, in his year every year go on a three-week trip to Italy. As a yeah, class. that's not happening. Yeah, that's not happening. But there's no sense as to whether anything is happening at all for them and. And, and they're, they are feeling pretty bereft. But then we start talking about sex and relationships, and then everybody gets involved. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, people are freaking out over contagion, which is interesting because I don't think contagion is any different than it is just being two feet from someone. So, you know. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, maybe don't maybe maybe now is not the time to like be doing a lot of of you know dating people that you don't know very well. But 
you know, if you're with your partner and the and you know where you've been together, then the the risks are yeah, it's nothing really different, for sure. Well, I've already blown that. <laughs> <laughs> I started seeing somebody new um, <laughs> last weekend. Yeah, last weekend. So I'm kind of bummed because I don't want that to be on pause forever. Yeah. Um, and, but uh, yeah, you know, if there's that, then there's, I mean, when we talk with polyamorous people, it's like, if you're spread apart by countries, when are you going to see people again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a lot, a lot of folks, like a lot of our, our users who are college students are sort of suddenly in long distance relationships that they yeah. didn't, right? Like <laughs> no one sort of planned to not be coming back from spring break. And yet here people are trying to navigate something that they maybe have never had to to navigate before. And all, I think especially just being in a new situation, plus all of the uncertainty around what is going to happen and where we're headed. <clears throat> I think it just makes it really hard for people to feel like they can actually plan and put something in place that will work for them because it might, you know, things have been changing so rapidly. So it really be- becomes about how we, uh, how do we become really comfortable with the practice of living in this uncertainty day to day, which is Incredible. I mean, I struggle with it. Very, very hard to do. It's hard for most adults. And so I think young people are in an even harder place when we start talking about that. Um, we don't get a lot of practice of this. You know, the people who are doing best, believe it or not, are trauma survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, those of us who have been through any ma- major, major trauma in our lives have become adept at managing and dealing with chaos and the degree of uncertainty. And so... Um, we tend to be doing a bit better with this because it, it's, it mimics other parts of life a little bit. Whereas people who are, are, are more used to routine and stability and maybe haven't confronted something to this intensity before are completely freaking out. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're seeing that too. I think uh, there's a way in which you develop some, some skills around these things. Uh, I think it also, I certainly know folks who I think are also feeling uh, feeling in, in some ways sort of triggered by events oh, yeah. that are happening as well, right? So it's sort of, I think it, it can be, uh, there are light and dark sides to, to both of those things, but. Um, I think clearly yeah. a double-edged sword. Yeah, for sure. And I, it's just really a time when, uh, you know, I think when the connections that we have to each other and that sort of the people in our lives become even more important and and you know we see so much isolation already happening in the world and people feeling like they don't have anyone so that's been a really big concern of mine too just especially when we think about um younger generations around sort of anyone who might have already been feeling like they they didn't have close connections to folks and now they can't even see the people that they did have connections to so how do we how do we foster ways for people to to still feel like they've there are folks out there who care about them. And I think it's hard because lots of people aren't terribly flexible about, I mean, the younger generation should be easier on this, but lots of people aren't terribly flexible about video and phone communication of the people who have the ability. We're a couple minutes from break. And before we go to break, I want to thank my sponsor for today, who is Lola. Lola is a female-founded company that offers a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners, and they now offer sex products, too. Um, now, because I am postmenopausal, I was most interested in the sex products. They offer these great cleansing wipes that are safe for use anywhere on the body. They're biodegradable, all-natural, and they're perfect for a midday refresh. They happen to be the first biodegradable, all-natural wipe of their kind, which is kind of cool. They're gynecologist approved and they're also hypoallergenic. They have a fantastic texture and they don't irritate at all. I just love them. And they also have a brilliant lube. It's got a mess-free one-click pump system, which is always helpful, particularly if you're going to throw it in your bag. It's water-based formula, hypoallergenic, and is made with 95% organic ingredients. It creates a long-lasting lubricant that they reckon perfectly mimics the natural feminine moisture and maintains a healthy pH balance. And it's made with aloe vera. And I love products made with aloe vera. I love the texture of aloe vera. This also is safe during pregnancy, made without parabens, petrochemicals, glycerin, synthetic flavor, or fragrance. They make ultra-thin lubricated condoms as well. 
which are made of natural rubber latex and are individually tested, and they're lubricated with medical-grade silicone oil. So subscription is the best way to make sure you never run out of period supplies and sex supplies, and they do a great subscription service. If you want 30% off your first month's subscription, visit mylola.com, that's M-Y-L-O-L-A.com, and enter A2Z when you subscribe. So that's A-T-O-Z. Mylola.com, A2Z when you subscribe. We'll be back um, in, a couple more, in a couple of minutes um, with part two. We're going to be talking um, about connection and sex in the current age and G-spot and really asking people to think a lot about what solo sex looks like because this is going to be one of the best ways to lift your spirits, to get rid of some stressful energy, to get those endorphins flowing and it doesn't get talked about a lot. So we'll talk about where the G-spot fits in that um, and what we think about G-spot orgasm versus other orgasms. And... Um, whole host of other topics. Don't forget you can write in with your questions, Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com, or you can telephone in with your questions if you are brave. Um, I would love it if one day somebody would want to be live on this show, but usually they write in. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes after some words from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives. But most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Are you fed up with reaching outside yourself for an inner solution? The next diet, the next few pounds to lose, the next drink, the next shopping spree. Tune in to Already Enough with host Kelly Backert. You'll hear tips about how to stop endless searching for an outward solution to an inner condition. Get helpful tools about food, body, self-care, stress management, mental health, and how to live your best life. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee and we are back with part two of G is for G Spot with Elise Schuster joining me and um, before the break we said we would go on and start talking about um, solo sex, sex in the age of COVID and G Spot. So let's talk about the G Spot first since we we said we were going to talk about that the first time. <laughs> um, just about every program I know has been derailed. By yep. this, by coronavirus, because that's all anybody's interested in. Um, so, let's give some anatomy. Let's do it. So, yeah, I can. Uh, so, here's what here's what people need to know about the G spot. I think, which is that often I think that the hardest thing can be figuring out where it is, and mm-hmm. so figuring out where it is is actually all about knowing a little bit of anatomy, and that it actually makes it much easier when you know that. So. Essentially, the G-spot is an area of erectile tissue that surrounds the urethra. And when we look at anatomy, we, if, what I always recommend that folks do, and it's a little hard to do over a podcast, but if you 
hold your hand up so that your sort of your arm is like out and your hand is pointing down. You can make like a sort of like a V with your thumb and your fingers, but turn it upside down so that the your thumb and your fingers are pointing down. And that is sort of you can kind of mimic the outside of female anatomy. And if you look at that, you see that there's the vaginal entrance, right above that is the urethra, above that is the clitoris. And so the urethra and the vagina are right, right next to each other. Mm. And the urethra is only one to two inches long before it hits the bladder. It's actually the reason why folks with vaginas get UTIs more easily because the bacteria don't have to travel very far in order to get into the bladder and start causing problems. So what that means is when we think about the G-spot surrounding the urethra, if the urethra is only one to two inches long, then the G-spot also is only one to two inches long. And it's right there, uh, sort of right next to uh, the entrance of the urethra, the entrance of the vagina. So what that means is in order to find it, we're looking at going inside. Usually folks start with finding it through the vagina, going inside the vagina and immediately <laughs> going up towards the belly button, which is up towards the urethra. So one of the things that I see people do a lot is it feels like I, have, I, have, I talk about it as like people think they're on some kind of like Indiana Jones like expedition and they're like going way deep, deep in and that is not where, what we're looking at here. So right, right in because again, that urethra is only one to two inches long. So the G spot is surrounding it. So it's right at the front. Wow. Okay. I hadn't realized it was that I hadn't thought about finding it in that way. So, um, are we saying this is separate erectile tissue from um, the, the back part of the clitoral bulbs? Great question. Uh, and I think that it's really what I think what we sometimes tend to do is think about things as really compartmentalized when in fact, everything is really contained in an area that if we make a fist, right, like that's the size of what we're talking about here. So all of these things are in, in some way are connected. We do, we do think, I say we as if I'm some kind of, I, I'm, I don't research the G-spot on my own, but, uh, you know, the G-spot is a separate tissue. Uh, so one of the things that's really amazing about our bodies is that every single human being starts out in the womb exactly the same. We all have the same tissue. And then in about six weeks gestation, there are hormones that come and they start to kind of change those tissues into the different types of genitalia that they then become. And so we know that the G-spot tissue is the same as the prostate tissue. Like they sort of form from the same areas. And if you look, you can actually see, we, we call it like analogous anatomy. So you can see this, the ovaries and the testes form from the yep. same tissue, the clitoris and the penis form from the same tissue, right? So G-spot prostate are coming from, from that same root. So they, it is a different system, but it's literally, everything is so close that they're just right next to each other and everything is impacting <laughs> each other, right? It's erectile tissue. So it's getting aroused and often the same ways that the clitoris might be. So it's hard to think of them as completely, I don't want people to think of them as completely separate because everything is so close together. Cool. I mean, that's one of the, the one of the ones that was really interesting to me because um, one of the things that people don't realize is how much of the clitoris is actually internal so that, you know, a lot of stimulation internally um, that what people call a vaginal orgasm is just the other side of the clitoris. It's not really vaginal. It's, it's the other parts of the clitoris being hit. Yes, the vaginal absolutely. tissue itself is not, does not have that level <clears throat> pardon me, of nerve endings, and it's the, it's the clitoris is, that is doing that. So it's yeah. interesting to hear this as a somewhat separate, although right on top of everything else. Exactly. They're, all, they're really right together, and I think it's a, it's a great example of the ways in which, although we may have it's the same anatomy, sort of if you think about it in a textbook example, in reality, our, everyone's bodies are so different and respond differently. So there are people who if they stimulate their clitoris, their G-spot feels it and responds. Mm -hmm. And there are other people who need very direct G-spot stimulation in order to get that area to respond. And so we just kind of, it just all depends on how our bodies work in terms of, although those things are right next to each other, they may not, you may not always see an impact depending on what you're doing. The same with, with, you know, penetration, right? So there are folks who have vaginal orgasms because of the 
way that their particular clitoris happens to be structured and other folks who, for whatever reason, it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah, no, and, and, and again, it's, it, 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 there's definitely an issue around um, vaginal orgasm for a lot of people. So don't be worried if this is something you're not experiencing. There's quite a chunk of the female population that cannot reach orgasm this way. So don't panic. Um, yes, I always, I always joke that if someone gave me a million dollars that I wasn't going to use on OK So, I would buy billboards across the country that said, you know, two thirds of women need direct clitoral stimulation in order to have an orgasm because we see this so often. Folks are so right. worried thinking that they're in some way broken when in fact, you know, they are exactly within, they're completely normal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an important one to remember. So let's get, one of the things that's interesting to me also is the toys that are sold that are G-spot stimulators probably really aren't. Oftentimes I think, yeah, so a lot of G-Spot toys, uh, what you need, well, let's start here. So what you need in a good G-Spot toy are two main things. You need something that has a curve because it needs to be able to actually sort of curve in and up, as we were talking about before, to hit the G-Spot. And then you need something that's firm because if you don't have something that's firm, it's just going to bend instead. As you press it into the G-Spot, it's going to give, right? So you need something that's going to hold that shape. And so there are tons of toys out there that advertise themselves as G-Spot toys that don't do either of those things and so are probably not going to be very good G-Spot toys. There are other toys out there that are great G-Spot toys that, have, that are longer. Uh, so you might see the curve at the end and then there's a longer handle. And so the main thing for those is just to remember that you're only inserting the toy one to two inches and then you the rest of it is external. And I think as long as people can remember that, those G-Spot toys actually are some of my favorites because the increased length of the handle makes them much easier to use and you don't get as tired while you're playing with them as quickly. So they're actually, I love a longer handled G-Spot toy. No, I can't even think of ones that are like that. Most of the ones that I'm thinking of are normal handle size, you know, and it's a vibrator with a curve, but it seems to me the curve comes too soon. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, you mean like the curve is at the tip? No, the curve is the whole, like the whole, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it, again, it, one of the things about G-Spot toys is that it kind of depends on the person in terms of how they like to use it. So some of the, the toys that have like an entire curve, uh, depending on the person's anatomy, can work really well because what they allow you to do is sort of rock the toy using the curve so that you they're essentially when you're thinking about stimulating the g-spot you can kind of press on it you can almost pull a little bit or you can do kind of a rocking motion and so those toys that where it's the entire curve are great for that it can stretch the kind of back wall of the vagina a bit so for some folks that rocking kind of toy isn't going to work out as well for them one of my very favorites is one that I think in a lot of places is called the Orchid G. And it's a, a hard plastic vibrator. It has a kind of bulbous end that's curved. And then the shaft of the toy is narrower. And it works really well because it's almost like a, it works almost the same way that a butt plug might work in that when you insert it, the vaginal walls kind of close around that bulb. And so it, the part that's curved stays really pressed up against the G-spot and the narrower shaft means that the vaginal walls don't get as sort of worn out if you're engaging in G-spot play for a long time, which for some people can be challenging with a, a wider toy. Yeah, but Cosmopolitan seems to think that G-spot toys help you have vaginal orgasms. That's interesting. Because um, I was just looking at the best G-spot vibrators. You know, I figured I'd pull it up and see if I remember what try can if I can find the one that really I thought didn't really work but yeah. um, but this is interesting it's not showing me anything that's funny oh there we go <laughs> <laughs> satisfier pro rechargeable do you see that looks like the, the ever uh, that looks like the the hard thing that I didn't like when I was first starting out having a vibrator <laughs> One of them just looked really awful. 
It's got no curve at all at the end. Ah, see, now they say that Mystery Vibes Crescendo is good for G-Spot. Now, I've not tried that. I haven't thought of that one as a, as a G-Spot vibrator at all. I'm just making sure I know the... Oh, yeah. I mean, anything... You know, that one you can bend, right? So yeah. what's cool about that one is that you can... Yeah, you can curve it to any... To figure out sort of exactly what... Uh, angle your G-spot likes, which is a pretty cool idea. And then the other piece, the, what I love about that as well is that you can kind of create almost an ergonomic handle yeah. as well. So I think well, especially in the, in the age of COVID, right, when we're, if we're doing this on our own, I think one of the things that's really tricky about G-spot stimulation solo is kind of is the angle. So if you're using your hands, it gets tiring super, super fast. And so having a toy that, again, has that long handle so that you can... Uh, you know, reach down and grab it in a way that is comfortable is really helpful because often for a lot of people, G-spot stimulation and G-spot play is something that can take a little while. And so kind of settling in for the long haul and having something that's comfortable and easy for, that's not going to cause shoulder or wrist pain is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, it, I mean, lalo has got the Soraya, which they do the both, right? That's sort mm -hmm. of, it, it, it would be a rabbit, but it's not because it's a G-spot stimulator. Um, but I, yeah. often, I also have to wonder, and that's one of the things to talk about um, when we come back, is, um, and it's very highly rated. Um, that is one of the things to talk about when we get back, which is anatomy and different anatomies. Because these, you know, we are not one size fits all, and a lot of the toys seem, seem to be. So we will be back um, in a couple minutes afterwards from our sponsors and we'll pick that up there. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel we're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts the voice america health and wellness channel is also on twitter we've got ideas to keep you healthy breaking health news and more follow us on twitter at voice am health that's at voice am health opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness This is the A to Z of sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails, too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We are doing G is for G spot this week, and I'm with the amazing Elise Schuster. Now, before the break, we were talking about um, G spot toys, and I was saying that not all of our anatomy is one size fits all. And my experience with trying to play with these things is one of the problems is, is finding something that actually fits your anatomy properly. Um, uh Absolutely. I think we often have this idea that sort of any, any general toy should work when, in fact, we often have to figure out 
the toy that works best for us or, you know, fingers or whatever that might be. And I think G-spots can be particular (laughs) about what they like as well. So uh, I think I know a lot of folks who don't necessarily have a lot of success right away when they start with G-spot stimulation. Uh, And there are a couple of things that I think are helpful to keep in mind. The first is that the G-spot is erectile tissue. And because it's located internally, it's really, really helpful to already be aroused before you start looking for the G-spot. So whatever way that is, however that works for folks, the more aroused you can be. Some people even like to have an orgasm before they go hunting for their G-spot. But the the sort of the better you're feeling, the more engorged that tissue is going to be and the easier it's going to find, the easier it's going to be to find and to then stimulate. The other thing that people often experience around G-spot stimulation is because the G-spot surrounds the urethra, when you start to stimulate it, you're also stimulating the urethra. And so that can kind of confuse the body a little bit. And the body thinks like, oh, I think I have to pee because there's something going on with the urethra. So we also, I often recommend to folks that they go to the bathroom ahead of time and so that you know that your bladder is empty. And actually then that feeling of needing to pee instead of being worrisome, right? Because when we feel like we have to pee during sex, we, everything tenses up and we can't relax and all of those things happen. But if you've gone to the bathroom ahead of time, then you'll know in fact that it means that you found it. It becomes actually a, a, a signal, which is really right. helpful. And so once that, once you kind of feel like you've found it, for a lot of folks, it, it can be a process of then experimentation right? Do, is it the sort of pulling motion, the rocking motion? Is it fast? Is it slow? Vibration? No vibration? Uh, so all of those pieces, something larger, something smaller. Uh, so all of those things really become part of the journey of figuring out, like, what does your G-spot like? And then there will be folks who will go through that whole process and essentially have a G-spot that's sort of like, nah, <laughs> right? I, other things, other things are the thing that I like, right? And this isn't like, this is one of those things that, like anything in sex, it's not always going to work for, for everybody. But it definitely wonder, takes a little bit of time. Um, uh, um, UTIs and stuff. Yeah, so we, sorry, the recording. Okay. Postmenopausal women, whether that's also an issue. Um, whether it can be a little bit advanced if you're used to having you know, some, that stimulation can be problematic. Can you repeat that last little bit again, just that uh, the connection cut out and I want to make sure I understood your question. For women who are, um, who have lots of UTIs or postmenopausal um, where that feeling, even if you've gone to the bathroom, that feeling can, can mean like you're going to end up with an infection, whether this can be more problematic rather than fun. Yes, I, that, I think that that is, can be the case for sure. Uh, if this is something that, if that sensation feels really stressful, then this may be something that, that you just want to skip, and that's absolutely okay. I, I feel like we, what's great about the world that we live in right now is that there's so much more information out there about what's possible, but it also adds pressure. And so there is no, you know, I think there's this idea that, like, if you're not, stimulating your G-spot, if you don't love G-spot stimulation, if you're not squirting, right, which is, we can also talk about that, uh, that you're like missing out on something. But in fact, like there are, the clitoris is really the star of the show. And so, you know, the G-spot, I think the G-spot like adds something fun to the party, but for most people is not like the end all be all. And so it really is for each individual person to figure out what, what works for them. So let's talk about squirting because that's one that people are always on about, whether you can, whether you can't, where it comes from. Um, and there are techniques that, you know, that um, it, it, particular techniques that can help someone squirt. So, I mean, remember a long time ago when I first heard about squirting, and when I say a long time ago, guys, you know how old I am. So <laughs> a long time ago, um, it was some women squirt and some women don't. Um, obviously that's not the received wisdom now. Anyone can squirt given the right stimulation in the right way. Um, But um, what is this really about? That's a great question. I think when we think about squirting, I think there's sort of two 
two sides to it. So one is just what's actually happening. And then the other piece is sort of the way that our culture takes that and turns it into whatever it's going to turn it into. And so certainly we see in porn and things like that, that squirting has become this, uh, kind of become this huge thing, I think, because in many ways it, right, in some ways it mimics male ejaculation. And so Mm -hmm. it has this, it becomes more than it needs to be, right? Because it's like a visible sign of someone's pleasure. Uh, when in fact, actually, there are people who can squirt without being, without having an org, like squirting and orgasms don't go hand in hand. So it actually doesn't mean that. So it, it actually is very complicated. But essentially, the, that uh, sort of G-spot area is a gland that produces fluid. And there are other glands that produce fluid as well in the sort of vulva and vaginal area. It's not the only one. And the because it is analogous to the prostate, it's actually in testing been shown to be very similar to the fluid that the prostate produces, which is, I think, just super cool. Um, and so that fluid, uh, when the G-spot is stimulated, the fluid then can go into the urethra and, and travel out of the body that way. And so what we know about squirting is a couple of different things. And the first is that everyone produces different amounts of that fluid. So there might be some people who actually, you know, where that fluid sort of dribbles out and they don't even realize it. And other people might produce a lot of it and they have very strong Kegel muscles and it can, it kind of sprays out, but it's, again, like super different for everybody. So if anyone is expecting a specific type of like the kind of squirting that you might see in porn, uh, I probably half the time that's not even real, right? Uh, That's like water has been ejected in and they're pushing it back out with their bodies. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But also just that for some people, it's a little bit. For some people, it's a lot. Often what we see is that it can require sticking with stimulating the g-spot for a while Uh, and so i think one of the things is that people either it gets tiring or it becomes uncomfortable or you know it just people want to move on to something else before their body might have built up enough fluid that it kind of makes sense to to try to to try to do this but what the way that people will feel as that kind of fluid builds up is that it actually is so almost an urge to like bear down or push out almost like you would push out urine and so another thing that stops folks is that they think that they're about to pee and no one wants to <laughs> do that usually or like it's it not you know if you haven't been planning for that like it's it certainly feels like a surprise and so again that's another reason to go to the bathroom ahead of time so that you don't have to so that you know what you're experiencing is ejaculate and so what we recommend to folks and what, what i talk about is to if you feel that urge to bear down then take away whatever the toy is or your fingers or whatever is stimulating the G-spot and try and see what happens. And there might be a little bit of fluid or there might not. If you want to keep going and do more stimulation, then continue. If you feel that urge again, try again. Um, And then, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And you kind of move on with whatever else, whatever other fun things you want to do. So, I I mean, it's fascinating one for me because I, I went to see a sexological body worker um, actually, they're a sexological body worker pair. They work cool. together in tandem, and um, and he's um, African and was trained in a particular technique that is used there to for, to get women to squirt. I mean, it's it's like that's what it's for. Um, and my um, own sort of feeling around that has always been sort of. I don't want to do this. It exhausts me. It, it, you know, I, I, I really associated it with being then exhausted, right? Mm-hmm. Then just like completely drained, not where I wanted to go. Um, but this was a really different experience. I was really quite surprised. So it, um, having somebody who knows a good way of stimulating and knows how to find it is actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it can be quite shocking if it's not something you've done before, it's not something you're familiar with, it can be quite shocking. There's, a, you can produce quite an uh, amount of liquid. Yes. Um, and I was actually quite amazed that it was like, you know, would you want to try again was one of the questions. And we just tried three or four times and there was still more stuff coming out. I was like, where's all this coming from? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's <laughs> the body is really, really amazing that way. And I do think it can be really shocking for folks. It's also, you know, you have to think about like then your bed, wherever you are is soaking yes. wet, right? So what are where are you are you are you putting down a towel or some other something on top, right? And there, there's actually a story in the vagina monologues. One of the stories in the vagina monologues is someone who uh, I think you know grew up in the sort of 50s or 60s, and the like first sexual encounter she has with someone, this happens like in a car, and she's like mortified because she had no, she has no idea what it is, and there's just, like wetness everywhere. And thinks that she's broken, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's just such an I think, and without without really trying, right? So I think it's such a. To me, I always try to remember that example as as a way of remembering just how different all of our bodies are. That for some people, it requires like intensely focused, very specific yes. stimulation, and for other people, it just happens. Well, the same as clitoral orgasm, right? You know, yeah. the same as clitoral orgasm. You know that that. For some people, you just go boom, and they're and they're they're off. And for others, it just takes that that average of twenty minutes. It's definitely that average of twenty minutes. Um, so believe it or not, we are close to break again. Yes, this always does go quicker than you think. Um, and so when we come back, if we've got any questions, we'll answer them. We'll talk about this a bit more and talk a little bit about solo sex and self care. Um, over the next period of time, while we're trying to deal with this. Um, uh, pandemic um, and um, kind of maybe how to a, a bit about how to stress can help us sex can help us with the stress not stress can help us with the sex we'll be back in a couple <laughs> of minutes opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And we are doing G is for G spot this week. And I'm with the amazing Elise Schuster. Um, and we said before the break that we would spend a little time now talking a bit about self-care and solo sex and stuff in the age of COVID-19. Um, so, well, I mean, one of the things that people often forget when they're separated from partners is there is such a thing as Zoom and Skype and FaceTime. Um, 
and um, all sorts of video, different video apps. And that gives you the opportunity to consider masturbation with each other from a distance. Now, some people find this absolutely petrifying, the idea that you would suggest that people go on camera. Um, I suspect partly because um, often people are self-conscious about how they look during sex, but when they're having sex, they can put that aside. But the idea of doing it on camera sort of makes that a little bit harder. Yes, absolutely. I think it can be really, uh, for folks who are, who are in long distance relationships and trying to sort of make these, these things work and feeling shy uh, or sort of nervous about the idea of being on camera, one thing that I think can be great is to, is to just work up to it, right? So sort of if it's something that you've never done before or never done any kind of long distance, like neutral masturbation before, it can feel really intense uh, for certain folks, right? Not everyone, not everyone wants to just kind of be on camera that way. I'm certain I'm one of those, those people often. Uh, so I think, you know, starting with text messaging, maybe while you're masturbating together, moving to phone calls, you know, sending images, like there are lots of ways that, that you can kind of test out your comfort levels and see what you might want to do. You could also be on video, but be like very much in the dark, right? And, and not sort mm -hmm. of full with lights on. Uh, I think there are sort of lots of different ways to, to play around with it, to find something that works for you. And I mean, you'd be surprised at, you know, just like when you have a video call, the um, level of intimacy increases to a phone call usually that, you know, you one of the reasons that we're suggesting this, if people can get comfortable with it, is it, it raises the level of intimacy. And people, when you're feeling quite isolated and quite separated, because a lot of people who are now in long distance relationships, as we said earlier, we're not planning on being. I mean, some are simply, <clears throat> you know, they, they're living in different cities and one of the cities is locked down. If you're in San Francisco, you're not going anywhere. You know, if your partner's an hour away, you're still not going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not, that's not a long distance relationship. You could be spending, you know, half the week with somebody, but if you were separated when the lockdown happened, the lockdown happened, that's it. Um, they're predicting yeah. that there will be a London lockdown at some point, although the prime minister keeps saying there won't be. Um, but the prediction is there will be a London lockdown at some point. And there will be a lot of people separated. Um, and we don't know for how far. And I, I mean, I, I, like to, I, I like to try and get people to think rationally about this. Um, that, um, you know, some people are saying, oh, it could be up to 12 months. It could be 18 months. Stop, right? The chances are very slim that something like that would happen governments wouldn't have the money to continue to help it's you know the, the economies we talk about economy collapse it's 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 collapsed to a level that's non-recoverable from right so governments aren't going to insist that people do something that would cause them essentially to go out of business mm -hmm. um that's when you don't know, they, they just let the restrictions up and more people get sick and that's kind of how it works um yeah. so yeah. Um, it kind of encourage people to be a little bit more rational about this and not be planning for 12 to 18 months, but to think about, you know, a month apart can be a big deal if you're not used to that. Absolutely. And I think that, I think one thing that it's possible that we may see is uh, more localized or sort of cyclical periods of isolation. If the virus starts, if we're able to get it under control, but then it starts to come back which it, you know, it looks like there's not immunity once you've had it. So it's very possible that that could be the case. So it might be that a specific area uh, then has to go into a higher period of isolation for a while to kind of get things back under control. And so for me, I think it's about not only trying to kind of get through the next couple of weeks or month uh, when hopefully then things will start to get a bit better, but also to think about the fact that this may happen again and that just generally in our lives, we will face disruptions. And so it's a, it's a moment to kind of reflect on what are things that we can put in place uh, or have conversations with our partners about or think about for ourselves so that should something like this happen again, we feel like we were at least somewhat kind of more ready to, to face it. And mm. there, luckily there are, you know, I think what's great about sex toy companies and, and sort of this world is that there are folks who've been trying to do this and kind of build tools to help us for a really long time because people in long distance relationships 
have needed these, right? So there are journals that you can do with your partner and diaries that you can keep and apps that you can use and toys that you can control from a distance. Yes. And, you know, all of these different kinds of things that can really help bring people closer together uh, in, in a more intimate way during this time. And should this happen again in the future? Yeah, I mean, certainly don't forget the app-controlled toys. Those are fun. Um, and um, and even if you're already separated, you know, there are ways of giving codes and what have you so that you can you can use them together. Um, and And remembering, of course, that sex does lower our stress levels mm -hmm. and, you know, gives us amazing endorphins and um, helps us to cope. And so this is a time where solo sex should definitely be on the menu. You've got more time, take more time. 100%. I actually saw a funny email from that made the rounds that where someone was saying, you know, you're remote into work and I just want to make sure you understand that we can see your computer so we know you're watching porn like when you have breaks, right? So just being careful about how and when you're doing that if you're remotely working. But uh, but yeah, it's, this is a great time to really, you know, if, if you're the kind of person who has until now treated masturbation, like it's something to kind of do in the 10 minutes right before you go to sleep, this is an amazing opportunity to really take some time and think about what would happen if you spent an entire hour doing this or two hours, like where, where could it go? Uh, and really sink into that and like luxuriate in it because there are very few times in our lives when we have the kind of uh, schedule that we might have right now. Absolutely. So we are a few minutes from close. I want to thank you for joining me, Elise. It's been fab. Um, hey, thank you for having me. It's so fun. My, friend, my pleasure. If people want to find you, where do they find you? They can find OKSO on social media at HeyOKSO and it's O-K-A-Y-S-O. And you can find us on the App Store. If you search for OKAYSO, we will pop right up. You can download us and ask any of our volunteer experts your questions anonymously. We will have no idea who you are, so please feel free to do that. Um, and we have a website as well, OKSO.app. But yeah, social media, App Store, we'd love to answer folks' questions. Fabulous. Um, and thank you again, Lola, for sponsoring this show. Again, if you head over to mylola.com and enter A to Z, when you subscribe, you'll get 30% off your first month subscriptions. That's A-T-O-Z. Join me next week when the letter is H, and H is for health. And I am joined by the amazing Jason Panda, who is CEO of B Condoms. And we're talking all about health and all about COVID as well. Um, it should be a very interesting conversation. If you've got questions, please don't forget. You can write in questions and I will answer them on the show. Sometimes it takes one or two shows for us to get to them, but they will get answered. And if you have suggestions for a show, do let me know. A guest you want to see, let me know. Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. And I look forward to seeing all of you next week. Stay healthy and um, have fun with the enforced extra time you might have right now. <laughs>